Last week we showed a video that had some of our kids saying the word rejoice. And they uh, did a really good job. It wasn't my idea. I wasn't there when they filmed it. I was surprised that uh, they showed so much energy and enthusiasm about that word. And uh, actually, I would be even more surprised if all of them had known what that word was before they uh, were taught that. Because it's not a, a really often used word in our world, the word rejoice. I mean, it's something that you mostly hear in church. Uh, you don't hear it in commercials. This new fabric softener caused me to rejoice. No, you don't hear that. Or in school, it's spring break, time to rejoice. Although I think some teachers might say that. But uh, the, the word translated rejoice, we're focused on, is used 35 times in the New Testament, all by the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Greek word is kaukaomai, and it, it means to boast, to be proud over someone or something. And God calls His people to rejoice, to boast about, not what we've done ourselves, but what God has done for us, in us. Uh, we are studying over three weeks the first 11 verses of Romans chapter 5. And that there, in those 11 verses, the word kalkaamai is used three times. And each of those times gives us another reason to rejoice. In this series, we're looking at each one of those reasons to be reminded that we have a great deal to celebrate if we are in Christ. And all of those who have been declared righteous by faith in Jesus have reason to rejoice. Last week we saw that through Jesus we're standing in grace, headed for glory. That that hope that we have is the first reason given in this passage for rejoicing. So let's look what comes next in this passage. And that is verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. And our sufferings. Well, the uh, word translated sufferings here in Greek is thlipsis. And thlipsis means anything that squeezes you, that presses down on you, that pressures you. And the New Testament uses thlipsis to describe all kinds of pressure, all sorts of it, whether it's persecution trouble of everyday life, labor pains, emotional distress, heavy trials, and, and even the great tribulation. That is the end-time event of torment and suffering. So, Flipsis is never used in the New Testament to describe happy days, sipping iced tea, re relaxing by the pool. It's time of difficulty and pain. And whether that is the everyday stress of, of traffic and taxes and tendonitis or more serious trauma that can get us down, uh, it is suffering, great or small. While the ancient world used the word flipsis to describe pressure and pressing together, it wasn't connected to human suffering until the New Testament. So Christians were the first to, to teach that they were like grapes in a vat 
being pressed to the point where, where joy poured out like wine. Or, or they were like olives squeezed in a press until the oil of gladness flowed. You see, it's only through Jesus that this idea of pressure could be positive. And so Romans 5 says that we can celebrate that. That we rejoice in our suffering. And that sounds unnatural. It sounds counterintuitive. It might even sound a little sadistic. And in fact, our culture makes it sound impossible. Because our culture teaches something very different than that. In fact, many teach, churches teach differently than that. To be able to rejoice in our sufferings, you must be transformed by the power of Christ. And so this, this scripture is not for everyone, as we talked last week as well. This is only for those who have been justified. Those who have accepted God's not guilty verdict based on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Unless you belong to Jesus, rejoicing and suffering has no real purpose. Unless you're standing in grace, rejoicing in pressure doesn't do too much good. But for those who are in Christ, there are benefits to suffering. Which is why Paul here is talking that we can rejoice. And so in each verse this morning that we're looking at, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, each gives us a benefit that comes from suffering when you're in Christ. And it's when you understand these benefits, and when I understand them, that's when you're able to rejoice in flipsis, in the pressure, the pain, the distress, the trouble that happens in your life, great or small. So verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. So that is the first benefit that's mentioned here of suffering. That is that suffering gives the resistance you need to grow. Now I, I wish I could jump like I used to jump. I know that's not going to happen, at least not on this earth. But when I was a sophomore in college, that, that was probably the, the apex of my ability to jump. And, and it really was formed around when our, our coach bought a, a brand new machine that was focused just on developing muscles for jumping. And that machine was torture. After a, a full practice and doing drills and, and running laps and lifting weights, uh, we each had to take turns, uh, repetitions on this machine for only 90 seconds each. That doesn't sound like very much at all. That's a breeze. 90 seconds on this machine. Well, after 90 seconds, uh, then you got to wait your turn to do it again, and after the nausea subsided, you could do it again. Those repetitions. We hated that machine. The day that machine broke, there was much rejoicing, let me tell you. But it worked. I mean, I was able to dunk a basketball through my entire sophomore year of college. I'd never been able to do that before. But I tell you, I don't want to jump that bad again. I'm not willing to pay that price again. That's what physical resistance does. It builds muscle. And so flipsis, 
suffering, pressure, can bring personal growth. When you face pressure, it can result in perseverance, which is the ability to endure, to hold up under the circumstances. Now, if you belong to Jesus, your struggles have that benefit of building you up, of strengthening you. Now, they don't automatically produce that. It's just not automatic that pressure, that suffering does that. Uh, just the way diamonds are produced by extreme pressure and heat on carbonite rocks, such as limestone and dolomite. But, but you can smash a lump of carbon with a sledgehammer, a hot sledgehammer, and all you're going to get is a mess. And suffering can actually do that. It can produce brokenness in us and anger and bitterness and disintegration and harshness and defeat. And that might be happening to you right now. The pressure in your life could be breaking you, could be smashing you, but God has a different purpose for that. And so you can either let pressure, suffering crush you, or you can rejoice because it is the resisting force you need to grow. Whatever it is that's pressing in on you today can have value. You, you, and you can either fold underneath it, you can run away from it, you can curse God for it, or you can realize that the benefit of resistance. See, if you have any desire to get from where you are to become more like Jesus, then suffering will be involved. Suffering will be involved. Just look at Jesus' life. Jesus suffered so many things. Here's just a, a small example. Temptation, insults and disrespect, lies, physical and emotional agony, betrayal and abandonment, hatred and rejection, beating, and of course, execution. See, whatever you and I suffer, Jesus has suffered that and beyond. And yet, Scripture says he endured it all for the joy that was set before him. Uh, 1 Peter 2.21 says that Jesus is our example in suffering, in flipsis. So you and I become more like Jesus when you endure suffering. When in spite of the pressure, your loyalty remains. When in spite of the squeezing, you don't change direction. When despite the pain, your progress persists. Your reliance on God continues. Because you know there's a point to it. That suffering has a purpose. Verse 4. There we go. And endurance produces the next slide. And endurance produces character. Character. Um, that brings us to the second benefit. That suffering is your quality control test. It's your quality control test. Pressure produces character. Character is the quality of being approved. Ron Lee Davis helps us understand the meaning of this word when he says, you visit a potter in the Middle East, and you find a jar that's been through the furnace, and if that jar hasn't broken or cracked, turn the jar over, and on the bottom will be stamped the word dokimas. Now dokimas is the word in this verse that's translated character. It's passed the test. It's been approved. 
See, suffering is the blast furnace that strengthens and, and purifies the people of God. It's the test that proves you are a vessel of character. Under pressure, you develop spiritual maturity. That's character with eternal results. 1 Peter 1.7 says, Trials are, are only to test your faith, to show that it's strong and pure. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. That's what Scripture tells us pressure and suffering is for us in our lives. It's God's quality control test. See, God's assembly line begins with grace and ends with hope, but in between is this big blast furnace that we experience. When you come through, you bear the stamp of His approval. Now, this is not about salvation. Please understand, this is not about salvation at all. Remember, these words are only for those who already believe and belong to Jesus. This is only for those who have been declared righteous through faith in Christ. And when you're your trust is in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and His glorious resurrection, then you have been justified. That's what we saw last week. You've been justified. And it's not that you will be justified. It's not that you hope to be justified someday. It's not that you're justified for just this moment. No, the tense of that word means that it is finished and complete. You are justified if your faith is in Jesus. You have been justified by His work. And so for those who are justified, pressure improves you your endurance through suffering makes you stronger you have the chance to increase in your usefulness to god to become a a greater example of his his power and grace uh, to grow in your capacity for glory rejoice in your pressures because through them you are being quality tested and approved i read an article this week by richard peterson written after his wife Elizabeth was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Listen to what he says. The intruder invaded Elizabeth's body, and by extension, mine. Her disease became my disease and made demands on our relationships that we're ill-prepared to manage. As she moved from cane to walker to electric scooter and finally to a powered wheelchair, I had to adjust my life to fit her needs. This disease now forces us into a kind of sick reality game leaving no choice but to follow its rules. But we do have the choice to let it tear us apart or use it to strengthen our marriage bond as we face adversity together. We both pray for healing. With our families and our church, we agonize before God. But if we only grieve the loss, we miss the gain. Even as the MS steals abilities from Elizabeth's life, a healing grows almost undetected inside Elizabeth says, did it really take this to teach me that my soul is more important to God than my body? This intruder still resides in our home, still presents us with new challenges each day, still teaches us lessons on submission, dependence, service, and a love that endures even when I fail. And strangely, that intruder is beginning to look more and more like a guest. See, through the suffering and weakness of disease, they saw gain. That gain was improved character. Paul continues, And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So here's the third benefit 
Suffering intensifies your hope. It intensifies your hope. Hope is the final product of pressure. As a child of God, you're assured that your suffering has a purpose. Now, when it, when it says hope doesn't disappoint, what does that mean to, to, to be disappointed? That, that means you won't be shamed by the end result. You won't be left with nothing to show for your suffering. The outcome of your suffering will not be an empty fantasy, a delusion, a cruel trick. And I was reminded as I thought through this of, I don't watch hockey, but I saw a highlight from a, an Islanders game back in January. It, it happened, and maybe you saw it too, a, a kiss cam was going around and shining on various couples to kiss, and it, it spotlighted one couple, and as it did, the, the guy got up out of his seat and what, stood in the aisle and knelt down in the aisle and reached into his pocket, and everybody's going, he's going to propose, he's going to propose. And he pulled out his hand, and he tied his shoe, stood up, and sat back down. And as more than one news source said, she's going to kill him. I read another one that says she was very disappointed with that game because the Islanders lost. No, I think that there was or more reasons for that, that she was disappointed with what could have happened. Uh, repeatedly, Scripture says that when you put your faith in Christ, you will never be disappointed. That outcome, that, that expectation will never go unfulfilled. Your hope is not misplaced when it's in Jesus. And that hope is not wishful thinking. It's certain expectation based on the love of God. Now I want you to notice something that in that verse that this love is not a trickle. It is poured out. And that verb is in the, is in the perfect tense, meaning that the pouring started in the past and continually gushes out still today. God's unconditional love floods your life through, it says here, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is already active in the people of God, already at home in the lives of those who believe. And He releases God's love in you like a geyser. God's love refreshes you like a cloudburst in the desert. And that's not that you get more love. God has already poured out His love. It's that you come to understand and appreciate God's love more and more and more. And with such love, you know that no matter how painful your suffering feels, no matter how pointless your suffering seems, no matter how prolonged your suffering is, God has a purpose in it. Now, frankly, it's... It's really not difficult for me to rejoice over the pressures and the sufferings that I've already been through. You know, I can look back at particularly painful experiences in my life, periods of time when I felt surrounded or defeated or crushed by difficulty, uh, extreme disappointment, and, and without exception of those things, even traumatic things in my life, I, I can look back and praise God for what I've learned, what I've discovered, what I've experienced, what I've gained. I can see His goodness. I think the, the real problem I have is rejoicing in the pressures, the sufferings that are going on right now. And I know that's likely a problem for you too. But this is the privilege that we're called to. 
to rejoice in our sufferings because through suffering you become more like Jesus. What are your pressures right now? Is it the uncertainty of of knowing what to do next? Is it the stress of finding a job? Is it the possibility of losing your job? Is it the agony of a disintegrating relationship? Is it grief over losing a loved one? Is it great disappointment you feel over what was done to you? Is it frustration because you can't change what's going on around you? Is it the unknown? As God's child, you can rejoice even in that. And your prayer might sound something like this. God, I didn't want this. I didn't choose this. I didn't ask for it. In fact, God, I asked for it not to happen. And I don't really want it to continue. But today, I'm going to rejoice in the pressure I'm facing. Because even this can produce good things. Because of Jesus. Pressure, suffering gives me the resistance I need to grow. And so I don't want to run away from something that might be good for me. If I abandon ship, if I retreat, if I give up, if I call it quits, I I will not become all God designed me to be. Maybe in the midst of all the the pressure, the suffering, my calling is to hang in there a little longer. And understand, too, that the suffering is my quality control test. It's evidence that my faith is not just for fair weather, but it's strengthened by the fires of adversity. And by it, God proves and improves my quality. My character will become more like Jesus. Now, all of us, I'm sure, would, would sign up for improved character. Yes, that sounds like a great idea. We just don't want the suffering that makes it happen. We want to avoid that. Suffering, too, intensifies my hope. It increases the certainty of my hope. The the stress and strain, the burden and hassle has a purpose because God loves me, and that pressure allows me to experience His love uh, in a greater way, assuring me of better things because through Jesus, even suffering has a purpose. Gary Richmond writes about the first time he witnessed the birth of a giraffe. And I haven't seen that. I was interested in Gary's description. Uh, By the time he got there, he says the the calves' front hooves and and head were emerging from his mother. Animal keeper Jack Bedall was there and overseeing the process. And and Gary asked, when's the mom going to lie down? And Jack said, she won't. Gary's concerned because there's at least a 10-foot drop from where mom is standing to the ground. He says, but but the calf will get hurt, Gary said. Shouldn't you at least put a net under the mother? And Jack replied, well, you could try to catch the calf if you want, but remember mom has enough strength in her hind legs to kick your head off. And she'll do that if you get close to her baby. So Gary decided to just be quiet and watch. And eventually, the calf emerged and fell 10 feet from his mother's hindquarters, landing on its back. Immediately, he kind of rolled upright with his legs tucked under his body. And at that very moment, the mother kicked her baby and sent him sprawling. And Gary was alarmed. What's she doing? And Jack said, well, she wants him to get up. And she's going to do this again. 
Jack was right. She repeated this violent process of kicking her, her newborn calf again and again. And finally, that calf stood for the first time. And immediately, Mom kicked him right off his feet again. And Jack said, she wants it to remember how to get up. Because in the wild, it would need to get up fast in order to follow the herd. And lions would feast if that baby doesn't learn to get up quickly and to move along. Some of you have fallen hard. Some of you have been kicked and knocked down. And I would say because of Jesus, there is hope even in that. You have a Savior who makes rejoicing possible because even in the pain, there is a purpose. Every pain and distress can produce something valuable. See, if you decide to follow Jesus, expecting that He shields you from all trouble and prevents all hardship, you will be greatly disappointed because Jesus guaranteed the exact opposite. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. He, he said, you will suffer because of me. He said, you will have flipses because of me. Jesus said. Some of you might experience so many bad things that you begin to lose your faith. You get angry, you bitter, disillusioned, throw in the towel. I want to ask you, what suffering, what pressure is happening in your life right now? Is it about relationship? Is it finances? Is it consequences of a bad choice you've made? Is it fear, confusion, disease, grief, loneliness? It has a purpose. If you know Jesus, rejoice, knowing that God will use this to increase your endurance if you don't quit. God uses pressure to produce better things in you. Now the difficulties you and I experience are not anything to be happy about. But in them, you can brag on God because He is up to something good. Your fear, your hurt, your worry, your loss, your mistreatment will not be wasted. It can be used by a loving Lord to bring about something greater in you. So boast in the God who makes suffering productive. Now in this moment, I, I want to give you an opportunity if you are under pressure today, if there's some type of, type of suffering going on in your life, we want to encourage you to endure. If you're brave enough to, to, to just stand right where you are, or to just raise your hand and allow others to pray for you this morning. You say, I'm in suffering. I just want to be encouraged in the midst of this. I want to boast in God today. That if you just stood right where you were or raised your hand and allow others to pray for you, to look around and to bring you before the Lord, you might say, Lord, I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. In fact, I asked for it not to happen. But today... I rejoice because even this suffering can produce good things through Jesus. So in this quiet moment, you just want to stand right where you are. Raise your hand. Let others pray for you. Jesus. So in this quiet moment, you just want to stand right where you are. Raise your hand. Let others pray for you.